All right. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Grace Community Church Wednesday night service. Uh, thank you all for being here, and thank you for tuning in. If you're watching online, we're glad to have you. Uh, if it's your first time here or if it's your first time watching, uh, we just want you to feel welcome. And if you don't know my name, my name is Wade, and we're glad to have you. Uh, let me go ahead and pray for us, and we'll get into tonight's message. Father, I just thank you for the message that you gave me for this week. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you'll help me to be able to explain it in a way that people can understand it. And I just pray for every heart and every mind that's here, God, that you would uh, help us to open our hearts and minds to receive what it is you have to say to us. And to not only understand it and receive it, Lord, but help us to, to have the courage to apply these things to our life so that we can make the changes that we need to make to be the men and women of God that we need to be. And uh, Lord, we'll give you the glory for that. And Father, I just pray for everybody that's homesick. I pray that you'd comfort them, bring them healing, Father, so they can get back in here. I pray for safety for everyone that's traveling. I pray that you'd uh, just bring them back home safely. And it's in Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. All right. Well, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about being obedient in small things and uh, how important that is. You know, we all got things that we think about and we're like, you know, that don't matter. Uh, they seem unimportant to us and we don't think it, that small things really matter. It's no big deal. But that's what we've been talking about, that every act of disobedience is a big deal. And every act of disobedience no matter how small it is, it does still have consequences. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into all of what we've been talking about, but the main example that we've been using was the simple command that God gave Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He told them, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day that you eat from that tree, you will surely die. And one simple act of willful disobedience brought sin into the world. And, uh, you know, for the last couple of weeks, I asked you the question, you know, to think about the worst possible thing you could think of, you know, whatever that is for you. And uh, every bad thing you can think of from then, from the Garden of Eden until now, is a result of God saying, don't eat that. And then, I guess when they thought God wasn't looking, they ate of the fruit. You know, that's a really simple command, don't eat that. And they disobeyed that simple command. And just by doing that, that brought sin into the world. And every bad thing, every horrible thing that's happened since was caused by that. You know, like I said, that was a very simple command. But just look at the results that came from it. Look at all the consequences and the collateral damage uh, that came from that. So obedience in small things is very important. Uh, like we talked about last week, there's nothing in God's Word that's just in there to fill up space. Everything in God's Word is there for a purpose. Uh, that reminds me, my uncle's got this license plate on the front of his truck. It says that thing uh, I said about love your neighbor, I meant that, you know, and I, I like that tag. But, you know, everything in God's Word, he meant that. It's in there for a reason. And uh, when we think to ourselves that, well, that don't matter, that's too small, 
nothing in there is too small. God wants us to take everything in his word seriously. And we should take everything in his word seriously. When we don't, there are always consequences. Uh, but if you miss those messages and you want to check them out, you can find them on Facebook or YouTube or on the Podbean. But tonight's message, it kind of goes along with that. Uh, you know, a lot of times when I'm reading God's Word, and I've told you this before, but when I'm reading, there'll be one word that just stands out to me. Uh, and that's usually how God gives me messages. He'll just give me one single word, and then I can't get that word out of my head, and I wind up doing a word study on it, and that's how I wind up with a message. Some people, he gives a whole chapter or a whole book or but for me, for some reason, he'll just give me one word. Uh, but this week's message, he actually gave it to me about a month ago. Uh, and I've been studying on it. But tonight's message comes out of Proverbs 15 and verse 2. And it says, The tongue of the wise uses knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools pours out foolishness. And that word aright is a... Uh, that's the word that stuck out to me because I remember seeing it in other places. And I looked up the other places that I'd seen it, and, uh, you know, I finally got out my concordance and looked up the meaning of the word. And uh, there's a lot behind that word. It, it's a little small word, but we can wrap our whole faith up in just using the knowledge of God aright. And that's what uh, the title of tonight's message is. It's a right. And like I said, that little word means a lot of things, and we'll talk about some of them, but the main meaning of that word is to use the truth of God, the knowledge of God, in order to change the course of our lives so that it lines up with God's ways, so that our lives are pleasing to God. That was exactly what the, the definition said, to change the course of one's life uh, so that it's pleasing to God. So that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, a good example of that is in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. It's talking about Jesus, and this is God speaking from heaven. And it said, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So God says, I'm well pleased in my Son. Uh, Jesus was a right with God. You know, everything he did was in obedience to the Father for the Father, and to bring glory to the Father. But too often, you know, we see people who try to use the knowledge of God and the Word of God in ways that are not godly at all. Uh, we're not using it for God's glory or for what it's intended for, to get my life in line with God and to help other people get their life uh, in line with God, get them to have faith in Christ so that their lives will be in line with God. But instead, we're using it to make our own selves look godly. And I'm not picking on grace. I'm talking about all over the world you see people doing this. They'll use God's Word to make their self look godly, or at least more godly than the people around us. Uh, they want to look impressive. They want to be the smartest person in the room. And that's not godly at all. Uh, that's not what God calls us to do. That kind of a mindset, that kind of use of God's Word is just self-righteous. You know, it's self-seeking. And at its very core, it's satanic. You know, that's why Satan got kicked out of heaven. He wanted glory for himself. 
He wanted to be admired. He wanted to be adored, and he wanted to be worshipped. And when he couldn't have all that, uh, he did the same thing that many people still do today. He uses God's Word in the wrong way to point out flaws in other people. In Revelations, I share this verse with you all the time. You know, he's called the accuser of the brethren. And that's what he does. He uses God's Word the wrong way to accuse people of wrongdoing so he can condemn them and to shame them and to find them guilty. And that's not what God's Word is intended for. Uh, and that's exactly what the Pharisees used to do. Uh, they would walk around finding flaws in people and judging people. And they even had the Word of God. They had these little boxes that they would wear on their arms with a band, and they called them phylacteries. And that's what they would do. They would put Scripture in those little boxes and uh, walk around with that on their arms. But all they did, they weren't trying to get people to God. They'd just walk around the streets and in the synagogues and point out everything wrong that people were doing. You know, that don't bring glory to God, and it sure don't bring anybody to God. And uh, that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. And that's why I wanted to preach on this tonight. Uh, I want you to enter into the kingdom of heaven. I want to enter into the kingdom of heaven myself. And uh, I want you to be on the right path to God. You know, like I said, that definition of that word aright is to change our course or to change our lives so that they line up with God's ways and not manipulate and twist God's word so that it conforms to fit us. And a lot of times that's what people do. Instead of changing my life uh, to fit what God's word says, you know, people go by version after version after version of the Bible until and change from church to church to church until they find a religion uh, that meets their lifestyle. They're not looking for God. They're looking for something that says the way I'm living is fine. I don't need to change. But that's not what God's Word says. God's Word says that we're supposed to change our lives in order to line up with Him, not the other way around. Uh, and other parts of that definition, and these are the ones we'll be talking about quite a bit tonight, is we're to be aright with the knowledge of God, the truth of God, the Word of God, that means we're to be firmly established in our faith, firmly anchored, firmly fastened down, unmovable. You know, all those words were in that definition. And uh, that's what that's describing what our faith should be, our walk with God should be. You know, I tell you all the time that we need to belong to Jesus seven days a week, not just on Sundays and not just on Wednesdays. Uh, Jonathan Rainbow, he sent out uh, a little thing on our website the other day that I really liked. It said God wants full custody, not just weekend visits. And, uh, you know, that's the truth. God wants full access to our lives. He don't want us to have a, a God section, a me section, all these sections. He wants to fully encompass our lives. He wants to be part of every single bit of our life. Uh, you know, when we're part-time Christians and we're not firmly established or firmly anchored, we're just like it says in the book of James, in chapter 1 and verse 6. It says, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. 
So we just get tossed around. We never get rooted in anything. We don't get rooted in our Christianity. We don't get rooted in our home life. We don't get rooted in our work life. We're just not grounded in anything. You know, we become like chameleons, and we just adapt to whatever surroundings that we're in. We don't have an identity of our own. We just blend in to the environment that's around us. That's why it says we have to be grounded in our faith so that our identity is in Christ. And God and God alone tells us what is allowed, what's not allowed, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. But when we are just being tossed around like that and we're not firmly established and firmly anchored in our faith, then, you know, like I said, we just blend into the environment and we're not, we're not strong in our faith. Paul's talking about the exact same thing in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14. He says that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. You know, when we don't have our identity in Christ and we're not a right with God, we just go with the flow. And the, the flow of this world will not get you to God. It will not get you where you want to go. You know, the current in this world is going away from God. It's not going towards Him. Uh, we have to be established in our faith. And that don't mean you have to be mature in your faith. That just means when you start your faith, when you give your life to Christ, that means be devoted to your faith. You know, I'm making a decision to grow towards God. You know, a lot of people think when you hear a message like this, it's talking to, to people that are mature in their faith. It don't matter if today is your first day in your faith. That just means that you've made a decision to give control of your life to Jesus and stand on your faith. Don't do anything to, to compromise your faith. And, uh, you know, say in your heart, say to yourself, uh, because nobody else is going to say it to you. When you give your life to Christ, say, I'm not going to be a part of anything that goes against what God's Word says. And, uh, you know, if the guys or the, or the women at work want to tell dirty jokes or gossip, then I'm going to go over here because I'm not going to be part of that. You know, I'm coming out of those things. I'm going towards Christ. And if I just go to church on Sunday, if I just come to church on Wednesday, but during the week I want to fit in, I still want to be one of the guys then my faith is fake. It's not real at all. And we're not fooling God at all. God knows what's in our hearts. And uh, so we don't need to be participating in those things. And uh, not just at work, at home too. You know, when we go home, the same rules that apply at church should be implemented in our homes. Uh, and even in church, you know, we see... Sin in church. We think just because we're at church that everything is accepted, and it's not. You know, if you get in a group and they're gossiping at church, tell them I'm not going to be a part of that. You know, God's Word says that is not right. That's why I said your faith has to be your faith. It has to be your decision that I'm not going to do what God's Word says not to do. If you leave it up to the crowd, uh, you know, there were very few people that were offended that Jesus was on the cross. The whole crowd was screaming, crucify him. And I know some of those people were the ones that he healed, the ones that he talked to, the ones that he did nothing but show love to. So you can't depend on a crowd 
for your faith. It has to be between you and God alone. And uh, more times than not, when you stand up for your faith at work or when you stand up for your faith wherever you are, you know, most of the time you're not going to be the only one to walk away from that stuff. You'll just be the first one to have the courage to stand up for your faith. That's why Ecclesiastes says two are better than one. You know, we should stand in our faith together, established and anchored in our faith. When you stand up for yours, that'll give somebody else courage to say, me too, I'm not going to be part of that either. And when you get a community of people, which is what church should be, that are all going towards God, they're strengthening that. And we don't feel all alone in our faith. And we don't feel so scared to stand up for it because we're not alone. Uh, but when we're together, we should be established and anchored in our faith. I like this verse in Hebrews chapter 6, talking about Jesus is our anchor. It says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters into that within the veil. So Jesus is our anchor, and he is steadfast, and he is a right with God. And as long as we're following him, not just calling ourselves Christians, but really following him, then we'll be a right with God too. Uh, if we look at verse 18 in Hebrews 6, it says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that, that's set before us. It says, run to him for refuge. Jesus is our refuge. So we need to take hold of Jesus because he is our hope. And verse 20 says that he's already entered into where we want to go. Uh, it says, where the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus is already where we want to go. All we got to do is follow him, follow his footsteps, follow his example. And, uh, just do what God's Word says. If we go on in that definition of a right, it not only means to be firmly established and firmly anchored in our faith, it also means to be prepared. And, uh, you know, when you read that, you're like, prepared for what? But it, it went on to tell us for what. You know, while we're here, Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it tells us, what we're to be prepared for. It says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Like I said, we don't need to be like some people and use God's Word to judge other people. God's Word to me should be to point out to me what I need to change in my life so that I'm in line with God. Uh, I've told you before, when I first came to Christ, or before I surrendered to Christ, I was reading my Bible every day. And without Christ, without the love of God in your heart, that's all we use the Bible for. It, we see the flaws of other people, and we judge other people. But actually, what Scripture is for is to look at our own lives and see what's wrong in it. It corrects us when we're wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. It's for me to get my life in order. And in verse 17, it says, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So not only is his word 
for me to get my life in order. It's to equip me to do the good work that God has for us to do here on earth. So like I said, it's me first to get my life in line with God's word and then use it to do the good work that he has for us while we're here. And I know a lot of people that are doing that. And I try to do that myself. But, you know, I know people that have given their lives to Christ and now they live their lives to bring glory to God and to bring people into a relationship with God. Uh, you know, they they have lives, but they live their lives for God and not just for themselves. Uh, you know, they have houses and they got cars and they got land and they got bank accounts, but they don't live just for their houses and they don't live just for their cars and their land and their bank accounts. They live their lives for God to be useful to the kingdom of God. You know, they use the things that they have for God, not just being selfish, so I'll have these things. You know, some people use their homes to bring orphans in there, so they'll have a place to live. You know, some people use their cars to help people to get to appointments that don't have a way to get to them on their own, to go to doctor's visits and do things like that. Some people give God control of their land so he can use it for his ministries. And some people share their bank accounts generously for God's glory to help other people. It don't matter what we have. It's good to have stuff. If you're thriving, if you're doing really good, God bless you. And God blesses those who keep their lives aright with him. But he don't bless us just like he told Abraham so that we'll be blessed. He blesses us so we can use what he's blessed us with to further his kingdom and help other people. Uh, you know, we can all in some way contribute or fellowship with Christ. Remember that message I did a few weeks ago on fellowship? It actually means to contribute to the ministry, to contribute to the kingdom of God, to distribute Christ. And that's what we're supposed to be prepared for while we're still here on this earth. Now, the close to the last part of that definition, <coughs> it said that that's not all we need to be prepared for. We need to be prepared to serve him while we're here, but it also says that to be a right means to be certain that we are established so well that we will endure. And, uh, you know, not just endure here on this earth, because there is things to endure here on this earth. Jesus said, you're going to have problems here on earth. But what this is talking about in that definition, we need to be certain in our faith. We need to be so established and anchored in our faith that there's no doubt when this life is over, we will endure. Uh, we'll endure the transition from this life to the next life. Whether our life ends here on earth or the Lord returns. You know, we have to be certain that our relationship with him is a right. It's established. It's fastened down. And I, I can't tell you how many people I see walk around all the time that doubt their salvation. They doubt, well, I don't know if I'm saved or not. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, God's Word says, make it right. Know for sure. Get it established and fastened down. And it's really simple. At the end of every message, I give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ, to ask Him to come into your heart and save you. And uh, after that, all you have to do is be obedient to him. 
and not just for show like the Pharisees that we talked about earlier. When you come to God, truly surrender your heart to him. I want to share some verses with you out of Exodus. Uh, this is talking about when Moses or God had Moses bring all the people to Mount Sinai and he was going to hand down the Ten Commandments to them. So that's where we pick up here in Exodus chapter 19. I'm going to read you verses 10 through 18. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. And you shall set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves, that you go not up into the mount, or touch the border of it. Whosoever touches the mount shall surely be put to death. And there shall not a hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether it be a beast or man, it shall not live. And when the trumpet sounds long, they shall come up to the mount. And Moses went down from the mount unto the people, and he sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. They're getting prepared to meet the Lord. And he said unto the people, Be ready against the third day. Come not at your wives. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at, stood at the nether part of the mount. And Mount Sinai was all together on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. And the people were so scared that they didn't even want to hear uh, God speak. And they, they told Moses that. If you go over to chapter 20 and verse 19, Travis, it says, And they said unto Moses, You, you speak with us, and we'll hear you, but don't let God speak to us, lest we'll die. So they were so scared of God, they didn't even want to hear him talk. They told Moses, you go meet with God and you tell us what God said. So Moses uh, went up there and got the Ten Commandments from God. But he told them to get prepared uh, because on the third day, God's going to be here. And I think a lot of people are living today. You know, God is coming again. Jesus is telling us all through the New Testament uh, that they're going to deliver me up and crucify me, but I'm going to rise again the third day. Just like he told Moses back in the, back then that on the third day, the Lord's going to show up. Well, after they crucified him on the third day, the Lord did show up again on the third day. He's already done that. He's already been resurrected. Jesus is still alive, and he's on the throne. And he tells us repeatedly, I'm coming again, all through the New Testament. He tells us repeatedly, be ready when I come. It's over and over and over. So not only do we need to take God's word and use it on our own lives to get our lives on the course it should be on so we're right with God, we've got to be prepared for when he comes back. Uh, like I said, it just repeats itself over and over through the New Testament and Matthew 25 and verse 13, he's talking about the parable of the ten virgins. 
He says, Watch therefore, for you know not neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man comes. Uh, Matthew 24, 42 says pretty much the same thing. Watch therefore, for you know not, know not what hour your Lord does come. It's all through there. It says, Watch therefore. It's, you know, just be ready, be ready, be ready. So, are you ready? I don't know that about you, and you don't know that about me. But everybody knows that about themselves, and God knows that about everybody. So that is a really sobering question to ask yourself. Am I ready if Jesus comes back today? Or are you distracted? If you are distracted, uh, what's distracting you? I bet as soon as I said, are you distracted, some... I know I got things popping up in my head that do distract me, and you probably got things popping up in your head too. So what is distracting you from getting ready or being ready when the Lord is coming? You know, what's keeping you from being a right? You know, are you ready or are you just busy? A lot of people, you know, we think just because we're busy, I'm doing this for the Lord. Being busy does not make you ready. You know, like Pastor Chris said on Sunday, uh, there's going to be many come up to Jesus on that day and say, Lord, I did this and this and this and this, and I did it for you, and I did it for your people, and he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. You know, we just read back in Proverbs 15, too. He says you're supposed to do take the knowledge of God and get your life aright with God. Have you done that? You know, are you ready or are you just busy? And like I said, there's there's nothing wrong with being busy but get ready first. Uh, get a right with God first, and then stay ready while you're busy. You can be all kinds of busy and be busy godly. You don't have to be part of ungodly things to be busy. Uh, so don't let whatever you're busy with get you unprepared, because Jesus is coming, and this life will end. And sometimes it ends quickly, you know. Most deaths are not expected. The account we just read about in Exodus, where God came down to earth and spoke to Moses and gave him the Ten Commandments, it talks about it again in the book of Hebrews. I'm not going to read the whole account. I'm just going to read a couple of verses. But if you want to go read that sometime on your own time, it talks about the whole thing, you know, how the people got scared and didn't want to hear God. But in... <coughs> And the writer of Hebrews is saying if the people back then didn't escape because they wouldn't listen to God, then we won't either. It's a warning. You know, the same thing that happened to those people because they didn't want to hear what God had to say. And if you'll go back and read that account, it didn't end well for them. And what the writer of Hebrews is telling us, uh, you know, we're not going to escape that either. In Hebrews 12, verses 25 through 27, it says, See that you refuse not him that speaks. For if they escape, escape not who refused him that spoke on earth. How much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that's speaking from heaven? Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifies the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made. 
that those things cannot be shaken may remain. So remember that definition we've just been talking about? Be firmly established, firmly anchored in Jesus, fastened down and unmovable. Get a right, get in line with God's word, and even, even when God's voice does shake the earth and heaven, you'll still remain. That's what the end of that verse is saying. If we're grounded in Christ, got our lives lined up the way God wants us to have them, then even when God himself shakes the earth and heaven, we will still remain because he's not going to shake off anything that belongs to him. He's going to shake off things that have rejected him. And uh, if we know the truth and we're not doing it, then that's exactly what we're doing is rejecting him. Uh, so he talks about that in Psalm 50. I can't remember the exact verse, but I will look it up. And I'll have Travis show it to you on the screen because I don't never want you to just take my word for it. Uh, verses 16 and 17, Travis, in the... It says, but God says to the wicked, or people that know what my word says, but they won't do them. He says, and I know that's what he's talking about because it's exactly what it says. It says, why do you bother reciting my decrees and pretending to obey my covenant? And verse 17 says, for you refuse my discipline and you treat my words like trash. You know, that is pretty strong talk from God you know there's that's not hard to understand God is not pleased when we understand what his word says we know what he's asking us to do and we're like I don't care I'm not doing that God says we're treating his words like trash and uh, I don't want God to look at me and say you're treating my words like trash I want God to say the same thing about me that we just read a while ago about Jesus. This is my son and who I am well pleased. So I think we got to take those things seriously. Like I said, God's not going to shake off anything that belongs to him. But those of us that reject him and don't take his word seriously, he will shake us off. Uh, you know, me and Howard were talking Monday about the message that Pastor Chris did on Sunday about being transparent with God. And I got to thinking, you know, like I've been saying, there's a lot of people walking around feeling guilty about things. Uh, even after they've came to Christ, they still carry around all the guilt and the shame. And I got to thinking, you know, like he said Sunday, forgiveness takes away guilt. That gets rid of that guilty feeling. But there are tons of people that are still walking around feeling shameful and guilty and I believe that's because they've never confessed those things you know first John 1 9 says if you bring it to God there's no doubt about it he will forgive you if we'll confess it to him he was he's faithful and he's just he'll forgive anything we bring to him all we got to do is speak it to God and turn from it and God will forgive you on the spot and not just forgive you cleanse you from it you know you don't have to carry that stuff around but if you always have that guilty feeling, then my advice would be take a minute and think about it. Uh, it don't even mean that you're still doing those things. But if you've never confessed them, then you've never been forgiven for that. And 
bring it to God and tell him, I'm still feeling guilty about this, and I'm still feeling shame from this. Tell God how you feel, and he will forgive you and cleanse you from it. And you don't have to walk around feeling like that all the time. Uh, but if you do have that feeling, it might be that simple to you to get, you know, out from that feeling that you got. God is faithful, and he is just, and he will forgive you and cleanse you. So you don't have to feel that way anymore. Uh, so I want you to remember Proverbs 15 and verse 2. It's a short verse. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools pours out foolishness. You know, it's a short verse. It's easy to remember, easy to find. Don't take long to read. But every time you read it now, after hearing this message, then you, you can remind yourself that God's Word is for me to use on myself, to line my, my life up with God's Word and to share it with other people uh, and not use it to make myself look good or to judge other people. But the first step in getting right with God or being aright with His Word is surrendering your life to Christ or you surrendering your will and your heart to Jesus. Uh, and if you haven't done that, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. I do that every week on purpose. That's a, not just a, something I do out of habit to end a message. If you don't know Christ, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, then nothing in here is going to work for you. None of the promises are going to work for you. You have to give your life to Christ and mean it and actually obey the things God says to do. But if you've never done that and you know you need to, it's really simple. Like I said a minute ago, all you got to do is tell God, I know I need a Savior and I want to surrender my life to you. I want you to be my Lord and invite him into your heart and he will come into your heart right then. Uh, Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And uh, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So if you made that decision today, tell somebody you've done it. Actually speak the words with your mouth, the Bible says. Tell somebody, today I have given my life to Christ, and uh, I'm going to make him Lord of my life. And then make him Lord of your life. Do what we've been talking about tonight. Find out what God's Word says and change your life to fit it. Don't try to change it to fit your life. That is the whole point of coming to Christ, so we can follow Him and do things His way and not our way. So, you know, think about, you know, what is distracting you or why, what is keeping you so busy? We've all got things in our life that are like that. We've all got things in our life that God is saying that needs to change. You know, what is keeping you from changing it? If you want the peace of God and the joy of God and all that, God's not going to change. The Bible says he is the way he is forever. He will never change. If there's any change going to take place, it has to be us. But uh, that's my message tonight. And I know we're getting out just a little bit early. But like I tell you, I don't get up here to just fill a time slot, I give what God put on my heart, and that's it, and that's all of it. But I hope that helps somebody to understand what we're supposed to do with God's Word a little better. I know it did me, 
uh, you know, we're all quick to find faults in others, but God's word is for me to find my flaws and get my life in order with him. And then I can lead others to him and they can do the same thing. But that's my message tonight. Thank you all for coming out. Let me pray for us and we will be dismissed. Father, thank you again for that message. That's really helped me in the way that I look at your word, God, and in the way that I apply it to my life. And I just pray for everybody that's here and everybody that's watching online, Father, that you would help them to, when they're reading their word, reading your word, Father, to look at it in a way that, how can I apply this to me? How can I apply this to myself? How can I be the person that God is asking me to be? I pray that you help us, Lord, not to use your word to, to judge others with, to find sin in others, but help us to use it aright, God, and uh, use it to get our lives in tune with you. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your mercy, your love, and your grace. And I just pray that this message brings you glory and brings us all closer to you. And it's in Jesus' name I do pray. Amen.